Hello, and welcome to Ethical Seduction, your sex and relationship podcast. We explore topics and skills designed to help you get what you want, both in and out of the bedroom. June was Pride Month, and I know a lot of places have been having parades and parties and celebrating, and I've personally seen a lot of progress occur in my lifetime with how the LGBTQ plus community is viewed and treated. However, many people, and possibly most people, are not out to everybody that they know. And this can be for a variety of reasons, and it doesn't have to be simply because of your sexual orientation or gender preferences. For me personally, I had to come out as kinky to my kids, family, and some friends. However, I'm still not really out to my parents about what I do and who I am. So coming out can be tricky and nuanced with how you do it, which is why today we wanted to share some of our coming out experiences. And we are joined by our friend, Corey, who is Starwind on FetLife. Hey, guys. Kimberly and I know Corey from back in the day when Kimberly used to live in Birmingham and attend their Kinky Community Center, which is the Red Chair. And so that's where we all met for the first time. That was probably, gosh, it might have been four or five years ago, Corey, since I first met you. I think so. Yeah. And then you've known Kimberly for longer than that. So. Oh, yeah. So I'm your host, Stephen. And joining me today are Kimberly, my wife. Hello. And Brandy. Hi. And Corey. Hello again. So uh, I know, has anybody done anything interesting for Pride or anything been going on interesting this past week that you all want to talk about? I have one little thing. Yeah. Is it about baking? It's not about baking. Is it about vibrators? It's not. It's about Pride. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. So I finally got my Pride Lego set in the mail. I have not put it together yet, though, but it arrived and it's beautiful. And I even thought about like not opening it and keeping it like sealed and like saving it and then like buying another one to put together. But I'm super excited to get it put together. So it's finally arrived. And I'm, that, that's all. I'm that's curious. Cool. What is what does that include? A pride Lego set? Oh, so Lego just this year um, released a Lego set called Everyone is Awesome. And it represents like all the pride colors of the flag and then the transgender colors as well. And so um, it, it was released actually the first day of Pride Month, with, which was June, June 1st. And so it has, if you go online, you can see it has all the colors. And then it has a little figure for each um, person. And so there's a website online where you can look up all the different ways that people have put these kits together. That's really creative. Um, but yeah, so it was just a thing that Lego did this year. And so it's been really receptive, um, in some of the community in terms of snatching that up and, and displaying it. Cool. Lego pride is that. Mm. Now, Corey, six months ago, Brandy did not care at all about Legos, but she's quickly becoming a Lego fetishist. And (laughs) she has talked about things. I mean, she she got a cat, but it didn't have a head. It was a Lego cat. Yeah, that I got put together. (laughs) But no no head. And so she Mm -hmm. had to contact, like some of the pieces were missing. So she Mm -hmm. started contacting Lego and then they sent her more stuff or whatever. And then (laughs) I've seen like on Instagram, people have started like following her and the Lego stuff that she builds and whatever so lego fetish is brandy it, it becomes it becomes like a crack addiction i mean we're gonna have to incorporate <laughs> legos into some type of kink scene I, I feel oh, that's like easy oh, you, you could have to kneel that. on them yeah i was just gonna say blindfold someone take off the shoes and socks and just have them walk around and at random there may be a lego in this spot there might not be you know what i liked you at first Corey. <laughs> <laughs> you were getting along so well 
<laughs> oh, people say yeah. that about me all the time. <laughs> Kimberly or Corey, do you all have anything? Um, I went to a Pride event that was happening uh, here in town that uh, apparently switched up where we usually do, which is uh, a place called Sloss Furnace, which is is every bit as hot as it sounds in the summer. Um, but thankfully, they switched it up and and decided to do more of a, a entertainment district type thing uh, in Avondale, uh, where you could actually retreat inside some of the shops for water and air conditioning. Um, mm. They had a stage and everything set up for for drag shows. A lot of people were wearing all of their most colorful best. It was, uh, it was nice to just see everybody out and about and on you know coming on the sort of tail end of COVID. And, um, you know, got to talk to some friends there. I think I think everybody was just grateful to get out and be able to just see people and mm-hmm. and, you know, just hang out, see a show and and not have to worry quite as much as we have to have had to in the last 15 months. Yeah. So it was really chill. And, you know, I think it was something everybody needed. Everyone just, you know, it was grateful to see each other again. We, we've noticed that, too, with our group. Um, just, you know, when people do get together, it's just, it's like, you're like, wow, like I haven't seen you in a year and a half, you know? And so it really is like, that's, um, yeah, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. So well, it sounds nice. Well, let's, we'll jump into our main topic, which is coming out stories. Um, the way I want to sort of introduce this whole topic is that I guess starting with my own story, which is not super exciting and it's been fairly easy. Um, but you know, um, you know, I, I, for those who do not know me, I am a straight white male. And so I've not had a lot of difficult roadblocks with things. However, uh, as you know, for me, it was like, gosh, I'm going to say age 25, something like that, you know, really starting to realize like I've got interest in kink and that sort of, I'm going to say developed over time. I didn't have an outlet for it, you know, at the beginning and things. And so, uh, but eventually I did, and I knew it was something I was interested in. And as I got involved with like the Mark Nashville's kinky community center and volunteering and things like that, there just got to be a point where it's like, I, you know, had to start talking to some people about it because, you know, some of it was, you know, now, for example, my parents do not know, you know, but it's like, how do you hide your time? You know, if you're doing all this stuff with this community and volunteering there and all that. So it's like, you know, eventually it was like, yeah, I had to talk to my brother, some friends, kids, my kids. And not regular kids walking down the street, but anyway, but it was like, it was, that was important to me, you know, and especially I'm going to say with my kids to not hide a whole bunch of secrets and not have this like secret life. That was a big deal to me. So that's been really good. But, um, you know, not everybody, I don't think can come out across the board to everybody. And that's what I want to kind of have as the point of like my bit of the story, which is like, you know, with work, I've made sure to keep that like a total separation. Um, because one, it's not any of their business Two, I don't want any judgment and I just don't want it kind of rolling into anything that's involved there. Um, and then when it comes to like my parents, my mom knows some stuff, but she doesn't exactly know much. And she knows like, again, we do this podcast, but she doesn't know what the name of the podcast is. She goes, do I want to listen to it? And I said, I don't think you want to listen to it. I think it's better. You know, it's fine for you to know that we're, that we do a podcast, but yeah, I think it's probably better if you just kind of skipped it. So I think she's fine with that. My dad, you know, he knows nothing, you know, and that's just because like, he doesn't want to, it's not going to do him any benefit. There's not any real point in telling it. 
And so that puts you in this position where it's like, okay, how, and everybody, this is different for everybody, but it's like, how important is it to come out and have those discussions with people versus just being like, I'm just going to keep this a secret, you know? So when it's come to like my dad, for an example, it's like, I'm just, it's easier and safer. I feel like for everybody, if like you just do it as a secret and that's not, I mean, I know some people would be like, that's not necessarily cool. You know, you're not helping to change things overall. Um, my dad is 83. I'm not going to worry too much about him personally, you know, but, but, but I'm going to say everybody else, like friends and the people that are really around me, you know, I've had the luxury of being out to them and that's, that's been very nice. So, but again, point is not everybody, most people cannot come out across the board to everybody. I don't think. And if you can, that's great. And I know that's like the best option. So we hope that all the listeners can do that, but it's, I don't know that it's necessarily realistic. So, um, Corey, I, I, I don't know your whole coming out story. So, um, I, I'm interested to hear it, but let me, if you don't mind, before we talk about that, I want to, I want to take a little sidebar and I want to introduce everybody to Corey. Okay. So one of the interesting things I really love about Corey is his FetLife page. So FetLife, for those who don't know, is like kinky Facebook. So you make your profile. It's not really, I wouldn't say it's a dating app. It's not anything like that, but it's more like Facebook where for kinky people that we use it to kind of communicate with each other. And so Corey has this intro that I'm going to go through and read. But one of the main points that I want to, as listeners, I hope you all get is like, you do not have to just sit there and be like, you know, hi, I'm Corey and I like walks on the beaches and I like to read books and I like sci-fi movies. Like you do not have to do it that way. And I think when you hear this, you're going to understand Corey's personality um, a lot better than, than if he had said he likes walks on the beach because everybody likes walks on the beach. So, all right. So let me read this. Hello there. Thanks for giving my page a look. Decided I should redo this intro since I've been on FetLife for some time and quite a lot has changed since. I'm a would-be superhero who thinks that capes are for pussies. I'm a lichen in human form that happens to love vampires. I'm a poet who can't rhyme to save his life. I'm a samurai that doesn't, doesn't know how to use a sword, although I'm pretty good with a lightsaber and handy with a good old-fashioned blaster any day. I'm a Star Wars fan who can recall any episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm a comedian who enjoys getting groans more than laughs. I'm a goth kid who laughs all the time and loves to brighten other people's day. I'm a very sadistic perv who gets off on respecting other people's boundaries and getting them, getting people where they want to go. I root for Batman, but I think the Joker makes a lot of sense. I shit on the notion of true love and I look for it every single day. I'm extremely homophobic, but the last, but my last couple of boyfriends would disagree. I'm extremely sexist against anyone with a penis, including myself, and I'm extremely racist, but only against black guys. I think racism is stupid, but stereotypes are funny. I'm a martial arts philosopher, guns, knives, fists, even though I detest violence. Angel wings are great to have, but yeah, I prefer mine in black. I tell you, whenever you want, I'll tell you whatever you want to know, especially if it's something you wish that you could unhear. I'm actually not cynical, but an optimist. That's just constantly disappointed. <laughs> Confused? Good. That makes two of us, which means we're off to a good start. That intro 
tells you so much about Corey and his personality and kind of like what he's about. And if you start talking to him, this is what you're getting into. So you better be careful. So uh, yeah, Corey, again, thanks a lot for that. Um, you want to go ahead and like introduce yourself in your own way and then kind of walk us through your experiences and your own coming out story. Sure. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, by the way. Um, well, I, I go by Starwind uh, and on the FetLife pages and in the scene. Uh, Corey is my mundane name. I've been pretty much a part of the lifestyle for the last decade or so. Uh, I remember wandering into my first munch uh, 10 years ago thinking I'm going to see nothing but burly guys and leather and, and uh, bald heads with uh, cigars. And that's about it. And I was pleasantly surprised at the variety of folks that showed up. And I've pretty much been steadily showing up ever since. Um, and as far as uh, coming out, I, I, you know, I had to ask the question uh, a minute ago when you were telling your story about like, well, do we mean coming out as, uh, you know, not uh, not generally straight or coming out as a kinkster? Because my kinkster part is incredibly boring um, with how <laughs> I dress, with my mannerisms, with just how my personality is. I, I sincerely doubt anybody who hears that I'm kinky is going to be surprised. You know, oh, Corey's kinky, cool, water's wet. I heard that too. Um, so as far as a, a coming out story, the only one I can really think of that would, that's, you know, any interesting at all is uh, me coming out as not straight. Um, I identify as pansexual, um, but when I was first learning, you know, different sexualities and things like that, I came out as, as bi. I uh, remember a while ago looking at, uh, you know, some of the emo goth boys at my job who, you know, looked really nice in a pair of jeans. And I didn't know why that was such an alluring thought at the time. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to figure myself out, trying to figure some things out for myself. And, um, you know, not not too long after that, you know, a, a girlfriend in California helped me figure out that, oh, so this is this is a thing like you can actually be bisexual. That's that's cool. Um, so I'm basically, you know, trying to figure figure all of this out, see what this means for me. Um, I also need folks to know this is uh, this is coming from a black man in Alabama. So coming out is a particularly hazardous thing here in the southeast. And it, it most certainly can be. Uh, in smaller towns. I'm just grateful that I live in a, in a bigger city. Um, and I remember, you know, just uh, going out on a date with a guy for the first time. We just went to a mall for, for a little bit. Um, you called this a, an episode about coming out. But now that I'm thinking about it, this wasn't so much me coming out as this was me getting torn out of the closet forcibly. Um, and <laughs> reason being was when uh, I, I went for a ride in this guy's truck, we went to the mall, we hung out and, you know, came back. He was getting ready to drop me off. And, um, you know, I'm saying our goodbyes and, and you know, do you want to hang out later or something or whatever? And uh, I decided for some odd reason at that point to pull him into a very deep kiss. And when I say very deep kiss, I think I may have ripped his collar a little bit when I pulled him. Um <laughs> And uh, let me tell you something that was pretty awesome. What was not so awesome <laughs> was it was at that exact moment in the backyard, my adopted sister decided to look outside and check on her car. Oh um, my God. That's timing. That's fate. That was mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I also have to give both my mom and my sister credit. 
when when I came into the house and uh, I was, you know, just being a normal and everything, they had the best fucking poker face you could not possibly believe. <laughs> um, like I had no idea anything was going on uh, until my friend left and and then my sister left. And then my mom, maybe like a few minutes later, came and confronted me about it. And I, you know, had that moment of, oh, dear God, I'm, I'm trapped. Mm-hmm. I, I've been caught. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck. And, you know, I didn't have much choice except to tell the truth. And the only one who really did any crying that day was me was because mom said, well, you're still my son and I love you. And that was probably the best best case scenario I could that I could have ever imagined uh, for that situation. Oh, wait, you're my son and I love you. Do not tell your father. That was another one. Um, <laughs> so that was some news that dad was definitely not ready to hear just yet. Um and that was that was how it was coming out to my mom and it was also a great thing because mom for i think i didn't come out to dad for maybe like another few months to a year after that but mom pretty much spent that entire time trying to soften him up to the idea of what if your son wasn't straight like i mean it's not it's not a bad thing cory cory's still going to be your son no matter what and sort of you know getting dad ready to hear the big news so to like speak planted the seed Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And just kind of kept kept sewing it and kept sewing it and kept, you know, planting that idea in his mind. And um, eventually I got to the point where it's like, you know what, I can't, you know, keep this a secret anymore. I'm just going to go ahead and tell him. And I, I remember there were a couple of days I tried to. And um, uh, I this was before I came out to my mom. I thought this was incredibly funny. I, I said, OK, I'm going to tell mom. I'm going to go ahead and tell mom today. Mom came home from church. She said, oh, God, the pastor gave such a great speech today about homosexuality and the sins of it all. Oh, OK, so not today. Mm-hmm. So that not, not going to be on that day. That, that was the day I couldn't do it. It's like, all right, all right, we'll try We'll try next weekend. We'll try next weekend. I try next weekend again. Um, Mom doesn't go to church this time. Um, I'm like, OK, I'm still nervous. Let me let me watch a movie or something to, to try to calm myself down. Uh, I turn to a film. I'm just like watching something mundane. What is this anyway? It's a movie called uh, Boys Don't Cry. And mm. if no, if you don't know what that movie is, let me summarize. It basically t- uh, is a story of a young trans man in a very small and rural town. And that goes about as well as it sounds. Um, mm. So I chickened out on that one, too. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure if I might have ever come out to mom because I was too scared to until, you know, they, they looked and saw me kissing another guy at the time. Um, and you know, after that, it was a lot easier to tell my father. And I basically just brought him into my room, told him what was up. And again, no yelling, no screaming, no Oscar award-winning, uh, tragedy or anything that happened. I am one of the lucky few whose family members were like, well, um, you know, I'm not too sure about it. I I don't know anything about it. it. It seems strange, but again, you're still my son. I love you. And you know, um, you'll always be my son. And yeah, I, I can say I had definitely one of the more positive um, outcomes in terms of coming out to my family. Um, in terms of being a kinkster, uh, there are those nights where I go out to, to BDSM parties where I have my little red bag. And occasionally, my, you know, because at the time I was living with my folks uh, going to the club. And there was one point when my mom finally asked me, well, what's in the bag? What are you going to do tonight? And I look her square in the eye and I say, if you really want to know, I'll tell you. And then there was this sort of Mexican standoff moment where I'm staring her down. (laughs) She's staring me down. I'm staring her down. There's a long moment that passes between the two of us. 
And she just kind of says, are you going to be safe tonight? Is everything going to be okay? I go, yep, everything's going to be safe. And she goes, all right, have a nice night. Let me know when you're coming back home. <laughs> That's you, the right answer. That you is can, it's like you can know, but then you cannot unknow. You can't like, unknow, yeah. I, I can't take back mm -hmm. this information once you have it. So mm -hmm. are you sure? Are you certain? And I feel <laughs> for the, it, she made the best decision for both of us that day. And, you know, it's, it's been pretty, you know, chill ever since then. So yeah, I was gonna my, ask, my coming out story is definitely nothing special, but I, yeah, had one of the better ones, I think. I mean, I think that's definitely something special and, um, and hopeful for people that, that can only wish for that type of coming out story, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, just as a side note, I enjoy gay cinema, uh, a lot of times, but damn, it can be fucking depressing. Um, mm -hmm. and it is, you know, there, of all the broke back mountains out there, of all the boys don't cry out there. Like, can we get some stories that actually end with a happy note? And, no. you know, for, for a long time, that's why I didn't come out. It was because I was afraid that mine was going to end up just like one of those stories I've seen a million times on movies before. Um, mm -hmm. but it, I think it's important to, to note that, you know, there can be happy endings. There can be very understanding mm -hmm. parents, not, not everything goes the way that, you know, we think they're going to go. And a lot of times folks can pleasantly surprise you. I know my parents definitely surprised me. Yeah. You know, in the movies, I think now is the time period where you're starting to get that kind of film or I've seen it, I think more on Netflix where they will have care. And some of it's like stuff that my kids are watching. Right. And so they'll have a character in there and the character is, could be trans or, you know, just queer or whatever. And it's kind of presented and then nothing is really talked about it. You know, because it's like it's non-issue and it just, you know, kind mm -hmm. of goes on. And that is really nice to see because like you're saying in the past, I think it was probably the films and things like that were more to like alert the public and alert most of us like of, hey, you know, this isn't fair to treat people this way. These are the dangers, the bad things. And I think now we're into like, we're just going to have regular people and we're not going to, we don't have to go into the story. It's not an issue. So mm -hmm. I, I like to think that that's where we are. Yeah, it's been really helpful in a lot of stories I've, I've noticed that they just treat them as a normal character, which has not happened in a long time because mm -hmm. the queer character is always seen as someone like overly flamboyant or, or you know, mm -hmm. might seem like a villainous character. God, I could write an essay on Disney characters that are queer, um, Disney mm -hmm. villains in particular. But um, yeah, just seeing them act normal and seeing them just a part of everyday life has been kind of a big change that I've noticed, too, that a lot of folks have have caught on to of just showing, Hey, this is not, a, this is not a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, Corey, I have a question for you. Shoot. So you said your parents were supportive when you came out, have they been supportive throughout the process since, um, like actually seeing you, um, in same sex relationships or dynamics or situations like have they remained consistently supportive throughout or did, did they struggle at all? Because there's one thing to hear it, and then there's another thing to actually see it sometimes. You know, when I first came out to them, I I would definitely say they were they were struggling with it. Um, you know, uh, I'm I'm of the belief that thing things happen in their own time. If mm -hmm. if you know, my mom had seen me kissing a guy any point sooner than than that, then it probably might have gone that way of a of a you know tragedy. Um, mm -hmm. if I told my father any sooner than that, he might not have handled it well. Um, mm -hmm. but it's, they've slowly had to get used to it over the years. And I've, you know, been sort of coaxing them and just saying, 
whenever they bring up the fact or whenever they bring up the idea of, you know, we might want to, you know, are you ever going to have a girlfriend around? It's like, yeah, someday. Or I might have a boyfriend around, too. And I keep Mm -hmm. reminding them like that. Hey, this is me. This is a part of who I am just to make sure Mm -hmm. that they understand that. And, you know, I'd I'd like to believe that they would handle it pretty well seeing me with, uh, you know, uh, another male partner. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, it's as, as they say, it's one thing to, to, to say you're cool with it. It's another thing to see it in front of you. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I think their attitude at this point, uh, in, in life would be pretty blase. Uh, they've, they've supported me, uh, pretty steadily and, uh, they, they've surprised me constantly with just how easygoing, uh, they've been about it. Um, even, you know, looking at things on TV and, and, uh, asking me about, about, you know, certain queer coded things. And, and, um, there was even a point where a a cousin of mine, uh, his mom came to me for advice, uh, because he, he came out as trans and she was at a complete loss. This is a, again, family born and raised in the South. Don't really know Mm -hmm. anything about this and was desperately needing answers. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I said, just treat, treat them like they're, they're your child either way and just love them no matter what. Um, and that was a really proud moment because, you know, I felt like I helped squash a lot of, uh, you know, stereotypes and squash a lot of uncertainty and fear and, um, you know, not just supportive. They've actually come to me for advice a lot of times, too. Hmm. Thank you for answering my question. Sure. You know, I think you're, I'm going to say, Corey, a great person in the sense that you carry yourself with like such kind of confidence but you're comfortable, you're nice, you're approachable. So you really are a really good person for, I think that kind of, um, almost like ambassador to people who don't know any of the things about it. Cause I think people do see you and they're like, well, here's somebody who's really got his stuff together. I think it really well. <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask so too, you had mentioned like your mom going to church, right? And she comes back and she's talking to you. And this is, I guess, before you had come out to her or her seeing you kiss, kiss the other guy. Um, but you said she comes back from church and she's talking about, oh, this was such a wonderful sermon. Here's all the sins, you know, of homosexuality and things. So is this kind of correct? Like your parents start off in one place, you know, which is like it, homosexuality is wrong. We'll say, you know, it's a right. sin. That's actually a better way to say it is it's a sin. You're not supposed to be doing it. Right. Right. Then you come out, you know, now it's their, their own child who is, is gay or is queer. And, um, I think that instantly changes a lot of people, right? Because all of a sudden it brings it to home, right to home and they have to decide what are they going to do? You know, are they going to, you know, throw this person out because they're a sinner or are they not going to? So I think from what I'm kind of hearing with you, but I want your opinion that you feel like that made a really big impact because like all of a sudden your parents were called out and they had to make decisions. Yeah, I would say, I would say that's probably a big part of it is, um, like I said, my, my mom and dad are very easygoing about it. While, you know, my mom is very, very devout Christian, a Southern Baptist, as a matter of fact, um, you know, I always hear about, you know, man should not lie with another man, always referring back to Leviticus. But the thing about my, my, my mom is that she's never been sort of, you know, go out and picket people's funerals type of person, you know, has never been, you know, calling, calling people, you know, out and saying, oh, you're going to hell for your sins and things like that. She's like, well, that's what the good book says. So that's kind of what I'm going to go off of. And when I, I'd, I'd like to think that when I came out and, um, you know, can't, you know, I can't say I've gotten in any significant amount of trouble, never, you know, been arrested or anything like that. 
knock on wood. Um, but, um, you know, when their, their son comes out, who's, you know, pretty good kid, pretty good guy and says, Hey, I'm not straight. That, that kind of had to cause them to reevaluate a lot of things. Um, I have to say one of the proudest moments I ever had of my father was, uh, when cause my father who uses the, who used the F slur a lot, uh, around me growing up and not necessarily to mean gay people. It's just a, a slur that he heard. And it's one of those things he said a lot. Um, uh, having a conversation with my dad about it and him saying that I kind of, you know, that he, him and my neck and our next door neighbor were, uh, you know, pretty buddy, buddy, but there were some points where he had to stop hanging out with him. And he said, yeah, cause if, if, uh, he said, if, if the neighbor, uh, ever said something about you, I'd probably punch him in the face. And <laughs> that was like a really proud moment for me that my father would stick up for me, um, like that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say it, their attitudes definitely changed a lot after, after I came out to them. Um, I have not heard dad use that word, use the F slur since then. Mm-hmm. Um, n- never heard mom talking bad about it. And, you know, whenever they feel confused about something or, or, you know, seem like they're in conflict about something, they just ask me and they don't assume anything. And I'm, I'm really grateful that they, they could ask me stuff about that, um, to, to just come to me and just, you know ask, Hey, you know, what, what about this or what about that? And I can sort of help clear the air as much as I can. And it sounds like you have a really good relationship with your parents. Mm-hmm. I do for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I'd like to think that our, our relationship has, has gotten better over the years, especially since I was able to move out and get a place of my own. Uh, mm-hmm. and a, a lot of that has just been very easy going. Um, it, you know, the subject of my sexuality doesn't come up a lot, except, of course, when they're asking me, when are you going to give us grandkids? Um, but <laughs> but that's pretty much everyone. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's for the most part, it's been pretty good with my, my folks. And I, you know, have a, ever since coming out, I, I've I'm, you know, loath to say I've never really had any kind of issue with it. Thank you for that. Uh, Let's let's shift over, Brandy. I'd like to hear yours. Mine is not as uplifting as his. Um, I wish it were. We should have ended with his. But yeah, I have no problem sharing mine. <laughs> um, oh goodness, let's see. Um, well, yours has um, a happy ending, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it has a bittersweet ending. It has okay. a bittersweet ending. Um, but yeah, so. When I was, you know, small town, East Tennessee, small town, um, where everyone went to church on Sundays. And and if you didn't show up for church, you know, you heard about it or people were like, where are they at this Sunday? So very much grew up um, in that stereotypical small town, Southern Baptist um, environment. And I, and I adapted to that pretty well because that was all I really knew. Um, when I was younger, like in, in middle school and early high school, I remember when I think back as, as an older person now, and I think back, I, I realized there were like more signs that, that I wasn't completely straight and that, um, I didn't have a crush on any guys. And so like my group of friends would always be talking about the crushes on the guys and like, they would ask me and I just would pick the most popular guy in school because that was who people had. And it's like, I just tried to fit into the group um, or like I would know that um, a certain person would sit in a certain class in a certain seat. And so I, I was very aware of them and what they wore and thought their hair was so pretty anyway, but I continued on um, dating guys and 
had a very serious, steady um, boyfriend through high school and then into early college. And then, of course, you go to college and you start exploring and you're you're I lived on campus. And so with that came the ability to explore and be away from my parents. And I was actually um, able to kind of act on some of the feelings I'd been having for a while. And um, I ended up falling in love with a female for the first time. And I kept that from my parents for probably a good nine months. Um, and each time I would visit my parents, probably every three weeks or so, I would go home to see them because college was about 45 minutes away. Um, it just got harder and harder to leave out this big section um, of my life. And I just felt like we I couldn't be myself. And so I was just, you know, what this huge chunk was missing. And um, I had gotten to the point that I, uh, I knew it wasn't just a phase and I was in love and um, I wanted them to know I wanted to celebrate it and, and enjoy it. And so I told my mother first and um, she was more accepting. She was like, I don't agree with it, but you're my daughter and I love you. And I was like, thank you. And it was a very difficult conversation for me because my family, we don't talk about those things. Um, and then I was like, is there any way you could tell dad? And she said, no. And, um, <laughs> so I had, I had bridged the, you know, I crossed the bridge with her and made her aware. And then she was not even comfortable speaking to my dad about it or planting those seeds or sowing those seeds at all. Um, because I think she knew his reaction and that he just wouldn't understand. And the girlfriend I was dating at the time, um, lived out of town. And so my aunt Benji, which is also my godmother had, had always, always had this open door policy that was like, if you have someone that doesn't have somewhere to be on Thanksgiving, they will be at my house. And I had reached out to her and she had said that, that my girlfriend was welcome to come with me. And at that point, um, I was like, okay, I have to talk to my dad. And so he, he came to visit me on campus and, and we went out to eat. And, you know, Stephen, I've been addressing this in therapy. And, you know, I have this real aversion to sitting across from someone. And when I think back on it, that was the last time I sat across from someone at a table. Um, and I'm wondering if that has something to do with it. it was just this this interaction I'm getting ready to, to tell you all about. With, with you and your father. Me and my father, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we're sitting there and um, I end up telling him, that I like girls. Um, I tried to really use layman terms. And I basically said word for word, like how you love mom and you kiss mom is how I feel about girls. And I love a girl that I'm currently seeing. And um, I remember he was eating soup and like the spoon started shaking and I was like, oh man. Um, and um, his reaction was, you know, you're the worst you could, you could probably imagine in terms of, um, he said, I don't want it in my house. And so I was like, okay, so now I've been, um, demoted from a person to an it. Um, and so he was like, you know, if, if I don't want it talked about, I don't want my family to know about it. And, um, that was, that was very difficult because I was a daddy's girl. Um, I knew it would be difficult for him to hear, but I never ex expected that he would just verbally throw out everything he was thinking. I knew he would have some really bad thoughts, but I didn't expect to hear those thoughts. And, you know, 
like we said about the red bag, like once you know, and it's been said or seen, you can't unknow it. And so, um, I didn't speak to my family for several, several months after that. Um, my girlfriend still went home with me on Thanksgiving and my dad, um, did not even address her, did not even act like she was present. And so um, that was very difficult to see. And I I would never have taken her into that situation if I had known he was going to act like that. So I still to this day feel bad about that behavior on his part. Um, He never fully came to terms and got okay with it. Um, until a little bit later in the story when I'll tell you, but my mom gradually got okay with it because she was like, I want to see my daughter. Um, if this is part of what I need to basically put up with in order to be a part of her life, then I will learn to deal with that as best I can. Um, and then, so she came on board quicker than my dad and, but I was pretty outcast from the family for several months. Um, and then, Um, me and that girl broke up and I ended up dating another girl that I ended up eventually marrying. And then we divorced this a couple years ago. And, um, during our dating period was when um, I was diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, I always say, I think one of the only positives that came from that experience is that, um, and I always get emotional is I think that's when my dad was able to see that like love is love because she was there and she supported me and she loved me through it all. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of messed up to think, okay, I'd wonder where my dad would be if I hadn't gotten cancer. Um, but you know, I can't, um, ignore the fact that that did bring him to terms with seeing the love displayed. Um, and of course he wanted to see his daughter more because I was very sick and he couldn't ignore her anymore. And so um, eventually we got through that together and my dad and my ex-wife became like best friends Um, and they would talk about tools and all this stuff. And he, I think he gave her better hugs than me, I swear. (laughs) And so, um, you know, I I can't end the story on that positive note that he's come, you know, he came around to that. Um, I'm not sure when I, if or when I ever, you know, get involved with a female, if it'll have be the same or if we'll be back to square one again. Um, But at this point, of course, um, his family knows and everyone knows. Um, I was really, really proud that when my ex, um, her name's Robin, when we got married, um, it wasn't legal everywhere. And so we had a commitment ceremony in Tennessee. And the officiant said that it was the first wedding that she had officiated that both sets of parents had shown up. And so... Wow. Yeah. And so that was really, really special for both of us that, you know, they were supportive and not only supportive, they, they helped with the wedding and they were just as much a part of it as us. So in the end, it ended up great, but, um, the journey to get there was very hurtful and, um, yeah, there's just some things that happen in in a story like that, that you can't forget, um, as much as you want to. So that's my coming out story. Um, in terms of other comings outs, my my mother knows that I'm, I um, participate in what, what I call open relationships. Um, and that just came out one day because I had been like single or something and she was driving me crazy. And I was like, Mom, I'm not single. I'm just in open relationships. So I'm not in anything serious. And then, you know, as soon as I said that, she was like, oh, OK. 
and she never asked me another question. So, um, <laughs> which is, I mean, at this point, if my family were to find, <laughs> find out about anything about me, I would be perfectly fine with that. Um, uh, I, luckily, luckily I've evolved into a person that I'm really comfortable with and I love myself and, and I put a lot of, um, value in being my authentic self. So if they were to find out that's, at this point, I'm like, I don't know what really would surprise them about me. Um, but yeah, it was definitely difficult um, being the first person in my family to come out as gay. And, and so far, I've been the only one. So, you know, that that brings its own difficulties and layers of complexity with it. But so far, I mean, every, it's turned out really well for me. Hey, Brandy. Um, yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing. Brandy. You, you had mentioned like, you know, your, your family growing up in that area, but you guys always went to church and being Southern Baptist. Okay. If how much influence, like if your parents didn't have the religious background, if they, so if the religion part was out of it, how easy, how would that impact their reactions to you? Do you think it would impact it a lot? Because this is the, I guess what I'm asking is the religious part in the back of their head. And it's like, Brandy's going to hell cause she's a sinner. And that's the, really the problem. So the yes and no. So my my parents, um, they will call themselves Christian. They do not heavily, routinely, actively practice. But at the end of the day, they are very much stronghold Christians. Um, I think there was a a degree of the Christianity perspective going on with it, but also a degree of the small town um, gossip. What will they think of them? if their daughter, if they find out my daughter's gay, like there, I think there was very much some of that playing into it as well. Yeah. Something's wrong and, with the entire family and the whispers and just, you know, I'm different. And so I'm going to not fit into a mold and that's going to, that puts them in positions to maybe be questioned at the grocery store where they don't want to be. Um, so I understand the, the potential situations that that can put them in. Um, the collateral damage, if you will. So I hadn't thought about that, but that's a really good point. Okay. So when, when, you know, you come out, it's not just about you. It is mm -hmm. impacting the, the rest of your family and how they're mm -hmm. going to be viewed by mm -hmm. society at large. Mm -hmm. So, and that's one of the things I really hadn't thought about that much, you know, that yeah. it's like, uh, I, that kind of helps me understand their reaction, you know, of like, they have got to protect themselves and it's not just themselves. They want to protect you. Yeah but it is themselves and you know and wives and you know siblings and things like that so yeah I, I and you want them to be comfortable scary. in their community in their hometown yeah. um and so I, I think a lot of the bad actually comes from the the religious side of it especially with coming from the southern baptist side mm -hmm. of things where mm -hmm. a lot of it is tied into to you know everybody knowing everybody and everybody being sort of a close-knit group so to speak and and mm -hmm. you know a lot of the bad comes from, well, what will everybody say? What will folks talk about? What will folks right. talk, will you know, think? say behind yeah. our back? What will they think? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like they would think that that would be a reflection on their parenting or um, right. where did they go wrong and all that. Yeah. I think some of that was definitely present for them. Yeah. As a parent, I'll say we try to hide that as best we can. What? When you say that's it. like, you know, like all the mistakes we make and stuff like that. Like we yeah. don't want everybody knowing that kind of stuff. We try to hide that. Like, oh, put yeah. That Just present the perfect kid and follow all these, you know, check marks and then you're good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm kidding. But but, but, I, but you're right. I do think that weighs on people. And then 
I've noticed like moms in particular, it's like, you know, I notice this when you're you know, having like, the newborns and stuff like that. It's like, there's no right one right way to do it. Right. And so every mom does it a little bit differently and all the other moms jump on whatever that mom is. It's like, Oh, you're not doing it the right way because your baby's supposed to be halfway turned over on their face when they sleep. Not that way. You know, and it's just like, no, I'm not doing it the right or wrong way. I'm doing it my way. I have had, and what I'm comfortable with. I've had this experience with the puppy. Kimberly's going through this now with her puppy. Like, are you going to raise the puppy? Right. Don't fuck the puppy up. Kimberly. Oh my God. Everybody's got an opinion. And I've tried to, but yeah, so it's hard. There is a lot of judgment on that. And I can see where people are kind of, uh, oh, they're aware, you know, and protective, mm-hmm. you know, of themselves. So. Yeah. If, if I could add something just to, to that, um, when I say my parents constantly surprised me as far as my, my own coming out story, um, you know, typically I'd heard a lot of, of, of parents that when their kids come out to them, they try very hard to keep it a secret. They don't want it talked about. They don't tell any other family members about it. Um, apparently my mom did not read that part of the, the manual, uh, Aww. because as soon as I came out to her, I think maybe either the same day or the next day, my whole family uh, found out because she was like, I need help. Help me. I don't know Aww. what to do. I'm not yeah. sure how to react here. Somebody give me some advice. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't know about that until like some months later when like I talked to an uncle and he's like, oh yeah, your mom called us like that same day or something like that. And I'm like, excuse me. And so she had, she didn't mean to tell your news, but she had good intentions, you know? Yeah. She, she was, she had it, the best yeah. of intentions. She was mm-hmm, just trying to get mm-hmm. some advice and <laughs> apparently decided that, you know, the whole family needed to be in on this all hands on deck apparently was what my mom thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think from, from my story, you know, what was so de- detrimental also was that I was already feeling shameful. I knew based on how I was raised that this was not, you know, the most right thing to do. And so I'm already going into this feeling shameful, but still in love and wanting to be myself. And then to receive that shame from your parents just reinforces that tenfold. And so then you have to, you know, repair that damage over the course of many years and Mm -hmm. many therapy sessions. Um, Yeah. So, you know, kudos to your, your parents for having the good reaction um, because, you know, even if that might not have been what they were thinking at the time, let's say them them voicing it makes a huge difference in the end. You know, I mean, I would like to think they meant it as well, but yeah. Yeah, I like to think they did. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. All right, Kimberly, you're up. <laughs> okay, so, well, first I wanted to say that I have... Um, multiple things that I could talk about briefly about coming out, um, which are difficult in varying degrees. Um, But I'll first just start out saying that my story is similar to Corey and Brandy's in that I grew up in medium-sized town. I like to think of it as uh, in Alabama in a very religious environment and home. Uh, My parents and I grew up, uh, this as well as Church of Christ, which is very similar to Baptists and very conservative and women are not allowed to like wow. speak in church and all, all, all sorts of stuff like that. And so I, re- the last time I went to church was basically, um, I, I think I asked like somebody in the church, like what they thought about, you know, being gay. And they were like, well, they're clearly they're going to hell. And then I was into Sunday school and they were just talking really 
poorly about mm-hmm. gay people and I was like, I'm just not going back. Like I was 14, 15 years old and I just told my parents like, I'm not going like, that's it. Um, I didn't have any awareness of being bisexual until college, but in high school, I cut my hair in a pixie cut and everyone called me a lesbian. And I was like, well, that's ridiculous just because my hair is short. Um, There was a picture of me like just innocently kissing a girl and someone stole that and passed it around. And and, um, you know, I didn't even really identify in any way other than straight at that point I was like oh that's just fun like that was just you know fun that we were having um until I went to college and I went to college in Tennessee um and so then I didn't come out I guess to my friends until I was about 21 and I was really kind of involved in the queer culture um in Alabama and also had straight friends of course and so it was kind of hard because coming out as bisexual everyone's like well this is just a phase or you know like the queer friends were all like oh no you're totally a lesbian like look at your books and I was like what what <laughs> I was like look no I'm books. saying everyone's trying to label you a different way and, and you're like, like no this is what I am they, someone you literally the entire said queer that reading library and then my straight friends were like yeah <laughs> My straight friends were like, no, you're, this is clearly not real. Like you're totally straight. And I was like, just stuck in this middle ground where like nobody really accepted me on either side. And it's almost surprised me, I think with my gay friends, cause I expected them to like s- somewhat accept the bisexuality, but it is very, I guess, Biphobia is real. taboo, especially in the Biphobia early 2000s. Is very real. What? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It is. It really is, especially in early 2000s. And um, anyway, I remember telling my straight friends I was talking about somebody I was dating and I didn't use gendered pronouns. And they were like, is this person a girl? Because Mm -hmm. you're not using gendered pronouns. And I was like, yes, this person is female. Um, So that's how I came out to my straight friends um, or at least that person. So that was interesting. And then coming out to my family um was basically they were totally in shock they didn't even know what to say like my parents totally against you know anyone being gay of course because of the their religious beliefs i think and just the culture in alabama um and then basically we never talked about it again because for the most part i'm not romantically attracted to women just sexually although occasionally there will be somebody that i'm you know we're romantically attracted to and I occasionally have seriously dated women um, but for the most part not so it's easy I guess I have that privilege of um, being more emotionally attached to men to where of course now I'm married to Steven so because you've never had like a relationship romantic relationship with a female and you think that's why it's not Uh, come up again because it's just not been something to address Mm -hmm. yeah I think so like I came out because I was kind of in love with a woman at that time and that was you know a long time ago and then it really after we broke up that was it I never really fell in love with another woman and so like you're saying it was was easy for them to be like Mm -hmm. in denial and not talk about it Um, so then the next thing I was thinking about in terms of coming out was coming out as pagan in a Christian environment. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I remember I was in a woman's spirituality group at one point and we were all supposed to go around the room and talk about what our like spiritual beliefs were. And I was like, well, I'm pagan. And what that means is this. And the leader of the group like looked at me and was like, well, I really want to say that wow. that's very wrong. And I was like, <laughs> I'm apparently in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I never mm-hmm. went back to that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be. It can be hard to be, mm-hmm. I feel like, authentic when you feel like people are really going to judge you yeah. based on beliefs that you hold and be like, you're going to hell right. for many different reasons. You know? And <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm but if you don't hell, believe like, in how to begin ever. with, I really <laughs> think I'm going. Oh, like, yeah, that was another thing. My dad said this. Yeah, my dad said this to me the other day. He goes, well, you still no. do believe in hell and heaven, uh, don't you? And I was like, uh... <laughs> I just didn't respond because I'm like, yeah. no, like I don't. But yeah. yeah. So there are, there are arguments sometimes I'm like, but um, you're assuming what kind of a person that. throws people into hell to burn for fucking eternity. And for something like eating, it doesn't shrimp. make Go ahead, I Corey. Oh, I was going to say, and for something like eating shrimp. Wait, what? Right. Yeah, I need to hear that's, this. Right. That's, that's one of the, that's one of the, the sins <laughs> in there in Leviticus, mm-hmm. eating shrimp, wearing what it's either wearing polyester or not wearing 100% cotton or something like that. There, there's a lot of ridiculous yeah. old, like old Testament stuff in there of like stuff yeah. that, that are considered sins. Uh, and, uh, no eating shellfish is one. Kimberly likes shrimp. I love shrimp. <laughs> See, that's like six times over. <laughs> well, that's it then. So, um, then the next thing I have, it's just like, okay, it goes on. Um, I have been in recovery from alcoholism for over 10 years. Um, So the longer I stay in recovery, like the easier coming out about that gets because you can always follow it up with, well, I've been sober like for 10 years and people are like, oh, that's a long time, you know. But in the beginning, it's really difficult because you think, are people going to feel like, well, you're a bad person because you're an alcoholic because people have all these like very stereotypical views of what an alcoholic is and looks like and, you know, can totally just think that means you're a bad person. Um, also, I think now I'm, the most trouble I have with coming out as being a person in long-term recovery is just <laughs> that I, I worry that the person's going to feel bad, like, oh, I offered you a beer, or oh my God, like I'm, then they feel really bad, you know, or um, they're like, oh, I'm drinking around you, like, are you, oh, now I feel really bad, and like, it doesn't matter, like, it doesn't bother me if you drink around me like it's not a big deal i try to stress that even but even today to this day i was gonna say i'm right in that category i'm like i'm not gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) i think i would fine. that's your choice but i'm like yeah so and and i think when we first met i just wanted to probably in my mind like to be supportive and be like i don't need to do that oh Mm -hmm. yeah that's nice it's nice it's nice but i mean Anyway, so so that that gets easier as time goes on for sure. Um, and then the last thing I guess is being kinky. Um, now that's not an issue. That's a non-issue because all my friends in Nashville are kinky because I came from you know from Alabama where I was in the lifestyle to Nashville and immediately kind of came into the scene here and all my friends are kinky so there's no coming out here but um you know and I was pretty open about it back in Alabama um whenever I started going going out to the red chair I was just like this is what I'm doing now to my 
vanilla friends and they're like okay um i didn't tell my parents because i felt like Mm -hmm. i had put them Mm -hmm. through so much to this point i had been drinking and doing drugs for more than a decade so they really thought like i was gonna die and they were just like we have to accept that she's gonna die so I didn't want to put them through anything else after that point since I came into the lifestyle after I got sober. Um, And so I just thought I would never really want to tell my dad just because that would be he would be he's more conservative and would have more like resistance to it. I was considering to tell my mom, but I'm like, I I just don't need to. Um, The only only part that it kind of gets weird is when. Steve tells his parents oh, how we met <laughs> one version of a story and I tell my mm. parents how we met another version of the story because we never like you know we start we're like seriously dating but we don't think like mm-hmm. oh we're gonna get married mm-hmm. and our parents are gonna meet and they're gonna be like talking so then we had to like stories, go back and like yeah. tweet yeah, we, the story we were sort of so like no they, they're like, both right like this is and we just sort of this is how it. I remember it this is how she <laughs> remembers it and they look at us like you guys are so weird Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my oh, mom's geez. like no wait a minute how did you, you look over that? at steve and I was like, mm, over and your turn over. you're up yeah <laughs> uh-huh. yeah i said i was teaching a class the other day at the mark and i was like i don't know what i was talking about but i was like um I was teaching what, what you were there, Brandy. What did I say? Something like, and to my, and to this day, my parents Something don't like even that. know how yeah. my husband met. Love. So there yeah. you go. And, and that's why for me, it was so important to like tell anyway. my kids, you know, I just felt when we first came really in our first dating things like, you know, that was not the right time or whatever, but you know, uh, several years ago it was like, okay, now's the right time, you know? And I just wanted them to know. And so interestingly, I never told them like, don't tell you know, your mom, cause you know, I was divorced. So their mom does not know. And that could be an issue. Being kinky can be a, like a legal issue in some mm-hmm. places of like, mm-hmm. you know, you could potentially lose the kids. Um, but anyway, but I, you know, so it was like, we, we just sort of told them and like, okay, we, you know, this is Kimberly and I have something to tell you guys. And you know, this is important to us and we just want you to sort of to know, you know, but then never told them not to tell other people, but we did sort of say like, uh, kind of point out, I forget how we did it, but like, yeah, there could be dangers or consequences. Not everybody's going to be accepting of this. And we're trusting you all with this information. And I think they've been great with it. You know, I don't think they go around and tell anybody, you know, friends. I mean, maybe they do, but I don't, you know, we don't ask that and things, but they kind of, I think they ask like it's a non-issue and, you know, kind of a funny story. What made story, you decide think, to tell them? What did we decide to tell them? What made you decide to tell them? that I did not like keeping it a secret. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's what I said. Thing. I said, I've been keeping it a secret because I didn't think you guys are necessarily old enough. I didn't want to be, you know, surprise you, shock you, whatever, but I do think you guys are old enough for it now. And I think actually, um, Brandy, like my therapist had helped me like, you know, when the time is right, you know, you can kind of tell them like, I didn't tell you then, like I kept mm-hmm. it as a secret because it was not the right time and it wasn't ready, but now is the right time. And that's, I think is a good technique. You do not have to tell everybody right now and today. Mm -hmm. And when you do, when the timing is right, I think you're fine to say, you know, Hey, I've had the secret. I was not ready to tell you. I was not comfortable. You know, I didn't know how you would take it. So therefore I kept it to myself, but I want to tell you now. And I think the fact that you're saying, I want to tell you now and that you're going to be vulnerable and share that, but you know, and, and tell them the truth. I think people usually are receptive to that at that point. Mm -hmm. So, okay. 
Oh, this is actually funny because before, it was only a few months before I think we came out as kinky, I came mm-hmm. out to the kids as in recovery and I was and so we we you know we sat down and like told them that and then a few months later steve sits them down and we're sitting there like oh we have something else to tell you now and i one of the kids is like dad you're a drug addict too (laughs) that explains so much (laughs) i was not expecting it i was like what no it's like wow. that's your that's your perception of me or something <laughs> like the, like they were like they knew it all along this justified their belief you know mm-hmm. i always think that that has something going on right so right let me ask a, a couple of kind of general questions you know now we've kind of all talked you know a little bit about our own personal stories um what i want to make some suggestions for listeners Okay, so uh, what are, first I want to talk about potential dangers and then benefits of like coming out. Um, and then we can maybe talk a little bit about like making wise choices. But to have this whole kind of discussion to try to leave people with things they can really use. First off, like what are the dangers? I mean, um, just from my own personal experience, a lot of the, the dangers um, stem from, you know, getting kicked out of your house uh, being abandoned, um, you know, the violent, you know, having violence visited upon you, that type of thing, um, which is pretty common, uh, which is unfortunately pretty common. Um, and you know, a lot of it is just having to make a guesstimate of the, the people that you're around. You, You basically have to make a judgment call about the people who are in your life, who are close to you, and say, is this person safe to come out to? Is this person going to out me? Is this person going to have a negative or or a positive reaction? Um, and you know, it causes you to have to take a lot of a lot of you know relationships into account, mm-hmm. and ask yourself the real question of, is this person really the 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 friend that I think they are? And that can be scary. That's 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 a, a pretty stress inducing one. I know when I when I came out to my best friend after my parents, um, I was worried about how things would go with him. Um, and you know, again, I've, I've, uh, you know, I, I've just been incredibly lucky in that regard. You know, he, he thought it was a phase. He thought, you know, oh, man, you know, maybe you're just confused. Maybe this is just, you know, something you're going through right now. And, you know, I'm not, I assured him, trust me, man, it's, it's, if it's a phase, it's a year long phase at this point. So, um, and I still do not understand why people, I don't know if that is something that people say in response because that, that makes it easier for them to understand. And I'm like, do you not think that I have already thought this through to the point that here I am confident in what I'm telling you? Like if this was a phase, I wouldn't be having this discussion with you and risk losing your, the relationship we have. I it think, drives me crazy when people say, oh, I think it's, it's probably just a phase or something. I'm like, no, it might think, not be. I think it's 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 making them feel comfortable. It's like it's their way of sort of rationalizing. And it's like, well, maybe this is just mm-hmm. the thing that people do in college and get it out mm-hmm. of their system, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, it, it makes people it makes people uncomfortable thinking, wow, did I not know this about this person that I'm supposedly close to all this time and mm-hmm. really have this fly under the radar for so long? Well, maybe it's just a phase. Maybe it's just temporary and they just right. don't know. No, because it couldn't be them not cre- creating or nurturing an environment to make you feel comfortable telling them sooner. I'm going to get off my soapbox right. now. I'm going to stop <laughs> off my soapbox. <laughs> okay. 
But but I was thankful in that regard is that when when my friend like yeah. when I when I had to tell him when I when I basically put a hand on his shoulder and go, dude, no, it's not a phase. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it took him a minute to register. There was like a, a, a visual. There was like an actual human blue screen of death for just a moment. Um, mm-hmm. And when he came out of it, he was like, look, dude, I'm just concerned. You know, we live in Alabama. I don't want you to get hurt. You know, that type of thing. And he immediately went to like being concerned mm-hmm. about my safety. And sure. I, once again, I've, I've just been very fortunate and just mm-hmm. having people around me that are more understanding than not. But yeah, that's a that's a danger. It's like you you basically put your your friendships and your relationships on the line when you tell someone, um, and you when you make the decision of okay, this person is close in my life and they need to know. Hmm. Corey, from your experience, I mean, is there a way to um to test things? So like you're ta- you know you're going to talk to your best friend before coming out you know straight up and saying hey you know I'm I'm by. Is there a way to kind of drop little signals to test to see how the person might react? Uh, if there if there are, I'm not aware of them. I I operate in two different modes: either brick wall or freight train. Um, I'm either <laughs> I'm either a brick wall where everything flies over me and I have no idea what the hell is going on, or I'm a freight train and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to barrel through all of this and just go, get to the other side as quick as possible. Um, so I was never really good at dropping hints. Um, well, to, to say to say the least, uh, my mom was better at dropping hints than I was. And I believe my dad said, yeah, you dropped them, but I, I didn't want to pick them up um, when I mm-hmm. came out to him at the time. Um, so I would say, you know, testing the waters is is a real iffy thing. That seems mm-hmm. very dependent on, you know, person to person, relationship to relationship. Um, it depends. Because it's know, people... different when it's you versus. Exactly. It's like you know, they might be cool everyone about it. Knows. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. might be cool about it with somebody else, or, or when yeah. they're talking, to, you know, out of an, a relationship that they're not close to. But right. the moment yeah. it's someone that they are close to, it, you know, things can turn on a dime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you just get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm just doing this. I'm going to be out to everybody. Yeah, it was pretty much um, it got to a point where it's like I can either. There, there was there. I'm, I'm pretty certain, especially in the southeast, there is a period of time where any guy who's not straight has to go through the period of sneaking around, uh, you know, and, and you know, getting with people they want to get with, and having to to lie and make up stories and you know tell tell people that oh this is just my new friend uh, all the time, and that was that got very tiresome for me very quickly. Cause I'm not used to being inauthentic like that. And it just got to a point where it was like, okay, either I'm going to have to get real comfortable with wearing mm-hmm. a mask all the time. Um, and you know, eventually end up being probably not, not happy with the person that I'm looking at, or I could take a chance and just say, you know what, this is me front and center. And mm-hmm. I, I weighed the risks. I, you know, right. ask myself, okay, what could happen here? How could this person react? How could that person react? And I mean, honest to God, it was my mom's reaction that that gave me the courage to even come out to other people. Because when she mm-hmm. found out, again, I did not tell her she found out um, and she didn't have a reaction that I had heard so many times, to- so many times before and so many horror stories before. Mm-hmm. That was probably what gave me the courage to begin with of just being able to to say, OK, 
well, if my mom still accepts me, you know, then why not? Why? Why not everybody else? Why not? You know, my best friend. Why not the people that know me best that I care about the most that care about me the most? And that probably spurred me on to, to mm-hmm. you know, keep going. Well, and also knowing that you also have someone in, in your corner, no matter what, like, okay, other people might not receive the news as well, but you have this one person, your mom, that is supportive and that means something. So it's not like you would have been completely abandoned, even though it, it would have been a significant loss if everyone else wasn't accepting. Having that one person initially accepting, I do think, um, yeah, can, changes how you your next steps forward. Oh, absolutely. That that was yeah. definitely a big one of just when you know you when you know your 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 mom is in your corner, that can help mm-hmm. with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to share something I heard. I and I heard this on uh from Dan Savage on the Savage Love podcast. Um, but it stuck with me and he, I'm, I'm sure Dan didn't invent this. I think it's a thing. But um the topic was like if you you know, you come out to your parents or whatever and they say they're not accepting. You know, so you got you and your partner and your parents are not accepting. Okay. And so it was like, how do you deal with that, you know, over time? Okay. So one of the things was you give somebody a time period. And so what they with Dan on his show was recommending was you give them one year, you know, and like, cause they, it's hard for people to just like, they can't just like change overnight. Right. So they've got these opinions, they've got these things going on in their heads, whether it's religion or whatever, you know, uh, the, the fear of small town opinions and stuff so they've got those in their head so it's basically give them give them a year to kind of help work through them so you're going to be kind you're going to be patient with them you're going to try to actively help them but but you the point is after that one year if they have not worked to try to make any progress and stuff like that then it's sort of like time's up you know now they're not really going to try they're not going to go through and make the change, right? And then, then it's like, okay, then you go do what you need to with your life, your partner, those kind of things. And I'm not necessarily saying that's like you break off all contact, but it was like you give, if you give somebody like, if there's no time limit and they don't feel that pressure that they have to change before mm-hmm. they quote lose you, then, mm-hmm. you know, they don't necessarily have to change. But if they know, like, you know, my kids have given me one year or my, my child is going to be one year to, to figure this thing out, you know, and after that, they're not going to come to Thanksgiving and Christmas and those, I'm going to lose all that. Then there's more incentive for them to kind of help make changes. And I found that not just with like, say coming out, but a lot of things where it's like, yeah, you know, you're challenging the other person to make changes. Having a time frame on there, I think is, is a good technique because it, it, it kind of helps hold people accountable. So Anyway, I just wanted to share that because I thought it, it made a lot of sense. And I, I think that does too. It, it, I've, I've seen that tactic used a lot, and especially today, of having to give them a time limit. I think also it's it's basically, for any of us, uh, you know, having something to do that requires a deadline does give you extra motivation to, to kind of get things done or try to work through it to some extent. Um, so yeah, I, I agree that that definitely helps. Again, it's one of those case by case basis type of deals, but mm-hmm. uh, I've seen it. I've seen it can be very effective, uh, especially mm-hmm. when you've got, you know, kids who are very independent and uh, you know parents who want, who still want to be a part of their lives. Yeah, uh, I did a little bit of research on like support groups because you know while we're here talking about this all this type of stuff, 
everybody's stories are very different and individual and some people, you know, can really be in a bad situation or have a lot to lose. Cause Corey, like when, you know, the potential dangers you used are like, you know, isolation and being, you know, you could be like kicked out of your house or whatever. So those are real things. Those are not like little things. Those are big things. Um, so there's several different organizations and I think most of these that I'm going to list, uh, all have like counselors or they're, you know, you can call for free and they'll try to connect you with people that can give you answers and help you think through like how to handle certain situations. So, um, like the first one that came, came across that is well known as PFLAG and we're going to put in the show notes and on the blog page, we will have the, the names of these place of the support groups and links for the different websites. Uh, the second one I found kind of surprised me. It was the CDC. So that's the Center for Disease Control. But they have a whole youth outreach program that they have developed. And, and I thought that was really cool because it's like they're working on diseases and things like that. But they recognize that this has like a trickle down impact, you know, and a big impact on people enough to where they've made a whole, you know, youth resource uh, page and um, uh, resources for LGBT youth. So that was really interesting for me to see. And, and, and that made me really happy, you know, to kind of see that, okay, it's, it's important enough. It's on the CDC radar. There's also the it's gets better project, which started off anyway about, it's really suicide prevention, but it's suicide prevention due to LGBTQ plus youth. Uh, and I think anybody just growing up and not having those connections. And so this is trying to kind of have stories sort of like what we're doing tonight, of like, you know, people talking about it and, and letting people know like, no, it does get better. You know, being a teenager might suck when you're queer, but it's going to get better. There's also the LGBT Foundation. There's GLAAD, G-L-A-A-D. I'm not sure what that stands for <laughs> right off the head. I should have probably looked that up, uh, but they're there. There's Switchboard, which again, helps put you in contact with different people that can maybe help different resources. And then there's the Trevor Project. So we will have links to all those and I would say if you have an issue or something you're interested in, check out several of them. You know, don't, don't just go on the first one, but look at several of them to see which one kind of feels like it fits fits for you best. That's so, interesting. I had no idea the CDC was doing that. Yeah. And I, I thought that was great. I thought that was great. That's awesome. Yep. Corey, do you want to go, go through and maybe try to summarize, like, for in your opinion, like what you think are the make the main things that listeners should really kind of keep in mind? Um and deciding about, you know, when and how to come out? Um, sure. I would say in, in my own story, um, once again, uh, I always tell people uh, my first time wasn't so much coming out as being dragged out of the closet, kicking and screaming. Um, but, you know, I, after everything that's happened, I, I, I kind of have to believe that, you know, in the, in the philosophy that things happen in their own time when they need to. Um, because a lot of the stuff that happened only got kickstarted because my mom found out and I had to say something and, you know, we were kind of both in a situation where you, you've got to either accept what's going on or not. And she thankfully chose to accept me for who I was. Um, and I would say as, as far as things to watch out for, you know, just basically, you know, keeping a, a, an honest account of your relationships, uh, an honest account of how you are with people, because it's the scariest thing in the world to find out that, you know, the friends that you thought were really close turned out to not be as close as you'd hoped. Um, but it's also another another issue entirely when you get acceptance from people that you never expected to. Um, 
So, you know, keep an honest account at all times as much as you can of the people that you have around you, of the people that that you have in your circle and, you know, make sure that they're they're the ones that are trustworthy enough that that, you know, if the shit hits the fan, you can go to them and, and, you know, get get help. Um, And in all of that, I, I would say, you know just try your best to just be your authentic self. Uh, you know, I, I always say try to be aggressively authentic um, just so the world's not really surprised if they hear anything weird about you in the first place. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, that's probably what I would say. Thanks. Brandy, do you want to add anything? Like I don't key, think key so. thoughts? That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But if, thank you, everybody, for listening to us for this episode. Um, if you are a first-time listener, please remember to subscribe. We come up with new episodes every Friday, and that way they pop right into your podcast player. If you're on Apple, you'd be helping us out a ton. If you wanted to give us a rating and then also maybe write a review for our show, Apple cares a lot about that. It helps us with the, the rankings and the discoverability of, our, of the Ethical Seduction podcast. You can find us at ethicalseduction.com. Check that out because we do try to put a lot of resources when each one of these shows we're doing, we're making blog pages and trying to have the show notes and things. So there's a lot of information there. It's been growing um, each time we do it. And we also have links to like the some YouTube videos and things like that that we've put on there as well that are a little different. So that's at ethicalseduction.com. We're also, you can follow us on Instagram. We're on Facebook, FetLife. We're everywhere as Ethical Seduction. And if you have questions or topics like th- that you'd like us to cover, uh, we would love to hear from you. Just you know, just shoot me an email at stephenethicalseduction.com. Tell me what you know what you're interested in or what questions you you know would like us to you know explore and cover in detail. Some you know, last week we did a whole show, whole you know, whole hour plus long show based around one person's email. And then uh, if you if you're brave enough to leave us a voicemail. You can go to the website. There's a button there. You can click on that, and that makes a short recording that we can then use on on the air. So um, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Corey. Your star wind at Fat Life, uh, if anybody wants to check them out. But, yeah, Corey, thanks, thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story and insight. Yay. Same to you guys. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk again next week.